Hey, Elaine. Hey, Mark. I need your help. I'm here to help, Mark. You're not going to like this. But... Oh, no. Well, I'm not, actually. I'm out the door. <laughs> Sorry, find someone else. I need your movie-related help. Oh, is it something that requires me to memorise something or, or know something from the past? No, 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 no. Right. You're familiar with the film The Naked Gun? <sighs> yes. See previous podcast. <laughs> yes, I am. That guy, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie, Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. Yeah. And? Uh, other people Who's who Who's the are female funny? lead? I don't know. Oh, 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 um, Priscilla Presley. Yes. <laughs> so, Film Spotting, another yes. podcast that I listen to a fair bit. Yeah, and I do as well. Uh, you, you told me about them. Do a competition, sort of competition each couple of mm. weeks, where they the two hosts reenact a scene, and um, you have to guess what the scene is. Someone has to write in and you win a t-shirt or something like okay, that. Okay, yeah. And this week, they, or a couple of weeks ago, they did The Naked Gun. I need to play you a clip right. from that. Can you edit in the clip that we're playing? Yes, I can. Yes. Okay. I've heard police work is dangerous. It is. That's why I carry a big gun. Aren't you afraid it might go off accidentally? I used to have that problem. And what did you do about it? I just think about baseball. Hey, that's a honey of an ankle bracelet you have there. Oh, did it slip down there again? So, for those of you who've not seen The Naked Gun, Frank Drebin, Leslie Nielsen, is looking through some police records. He's kind of in a little flirty relationship with um, Priscilla Presley. And he turns and says to her, that's a honey of an ankle bracelet you've got there. And she says, oh, did that slip down there? And pushes it up her leg. Mm-hmm. What is that joke? Um, it's that the bracelet was originally on her wrist and now it's slipped down to her ankle. So, the ref- I first saw this when I was 10. Right. And I just assumed it was some sort of sex joke that I wasn't getting when I was 10. Right. I have since looked up this joke. Yeah. And there appears to be quite a few threads online of people going, explain this joke. There's three things that people are saying it might be. One is that it's a it's a wrist bracelet that slipped down to her leg. That's what yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. One is that it's a garter that slipped down. Okay, so a garter that would typically be at yeah. the top of the thigh, right? And one is that it's some sort of sex toy, which is what I assumed when I was like ten, but obviously doesn't really make any mm. sense at no, all. No, it doesn't. I don't understand how it can be something on a wrist. Right, because that's then slipped. Because you can't. You then she's wearing a different bracelet on her wrist. Like yeah. this is quite an ornate, uh, like ankle bracelet. But and she's wearing like a bangle on her wrist, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, well, you, a bangle is one thing, but a, a bracelet is another. That normally has like some charms on it or some. No, when you like see her do it, and Leslie Nielsen's face when she does that, like looks like oh, that's a bit weird. But I don't. I don't understand what this joke is, and I don't. I don't. It doesn't feel right. It being, and I know there's loads of ludicrous jokes in the Naked Gun, mm-hmm. but I asked Neil, and Neil was like, "I have no idea. I just assumed it was some sort of sex toy." But he's like, "But ask on your podcast." So I'm looking to crowdsource this. What do people think that joke is? Like, look, we'll we'll post a link to the clip. I'm finding this like slightly weird because to me it's just so obvious that it was a bracelet that's on the wrist. And it's slipped down. And it's a silly joke because obviously it can't physically slip down there. And the, But the joke is that it was meant to be on her wrist and now it's on her ankle. And now she's trying to push it back up to her wrist. 
See, and that just makes total sense to me. I, this yeah. is this is the fever that you get mm, online. Yeah. Like, and this is the anger that you get online, where there's people going, "I cannot believe you do not understand this joke." It is. It's, it's very a, simple. A, it's, a, it's a bracelet, and then someone else going, "How fucking stupid are you?" It's a garter, and then yeah, like this is bizarre. So how, how and this only came about because you listened to it being spoken and obviously yes, played it was, out. Yeah, on, played out on a podcast. On and a obviously, podcast. they like the pod, film spotting do a lot of like highbrow mm. art house films. So it's un, it's unlike them to do something so broad. And I think when I'm when I'm watching Naked Gun, like literally, it's a second every. It's a gag every second. So you like if you don't get a jerk, mm. there's gonna be one two seconds later that yeah. you get to. This is about three seconds after or fifty seconds after the nice beaver famous jerk. Yeah, there's a joke about a gun going off straight before. Yeah. It. And I was like, I've never understood that joke, and I don't understand. How what bizarre! It is. How bizarre! I find it really weird that, like, to me, it's just so simple and not nothing really to think about. And I don't. This is, it just doesn't you're click. You're saying it's a corner of the you, internet. It just doesn't click that the the gag that you say is that's totally a gag that they would have in the Naked Gun, obviously. But yeah, I just. Is this what you've spent your time doing this week? A lot of it, yeah. This is, you know, when I've been trying to talk to you about stuff and you've just been like frantically Googling. Is this where you've been? Oh, you've yeah. been on the forums and the Yeah, on Reddit, yeah. Trying to, yeah. Yes. Oh, interesting. Mm. <laughs> Do you want to talk about some modern t- TV and films? <laughs> Why not? Let's, let's give it a go. And we can, we can dissect the gags badly for those <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, we will. I'm not sure there are that many gags in them, but we'll give it a try. Watching television, watching television. TV. TV that we have not been watching together. Nope, because we don't like each other anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because you don't understand comedy, and yes. And you don't like true crime documentaries. That's true. So that's, that's it. True. The end yeah. of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to talk about some documentaries, but of course you are. But this time, Mark, are you prepared? They are sex cult documentaries, so they might be a little bit more enticing for you than the old uh, true crime. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're being careful of what you're saying. <laughs> yes, yeah. If we weren't recording on this, I'd be making a lot more jokes at yeah. this point. But uh... And you're going to talk about The Bear. Yes, The Bear. <laughs> yes, the, the Bear. And then we are going to have a discussion, as you put it, pre-podcast, about Andor. Yes, that's You said right. we weren't going to review it. We were just going to have a discussion about it. And you said we'd do that at the end, which has intrigued me. I don't think we need to talk everyone through <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, I know. Oh, I have to talk through it. I'm talking through it to remind me of what we're going to do. I'm finding it interesting that you want to have a discussion rather than just listen to what I think about Andor. Okay. okay. Well, well, we'll get to that, won't we? Yes, we will. Sex cults? Sex cults? Yes. So, a couple of years ago, back in November 2020, we did a podcast episode that involved a review of a documentary called The Vow. Did Do I... you remember this? Did I watch it? <laughs> no, you didn't. I watched it. Is this the one where it was, there was an original version, like, many, many years ago, and... Nope, nope, nope you're shaking but, your head. No, but you are... Thi- I think you're thinking of something like The Staircase, which was originally a documentary, then it was made into, like, a fictional piece. Oh, that could be it. So, yeah, yeah but you, you're along the right line. So yeah. this is a... Well, it's on Sky Documentaries, but it's created by people who were in the cult that was called Nixium. 
do you remember Nixium or Nexium? I never quite know how it's all got letters and numbers and numerics. Oh, so. I'm interested by yeah. this. It's like <laughs> yeah. num three years. Yeah. yeah, a bit like Did that. Did I do that joke last time we yeah, reviewed probably. this? Probably. <laughs> I haven't okay. listened back. So the this is the second series, but the original series back in 2020 told us about this organisation that came about in the late 2000s, which branded itself as being a personal growth company. So if you wanted to develop yourself as an executive or as a business person, if you were middle class and had a lot of money, you could chuck it at this group that was run by Keith Ranieri and Nancy Saltzman. Can I ask a question? You can. I'm aware that I've, I could just go through every single true crime documentary that you've <laughs> talked about this. Yeah. Was there an actress for some, yes, something involved in this? Who was it? So it's Alison Mack from Smallville. Smallville, that's And that's it. what attracts most attention is that there's this, this actress from Smallville that people who watch Smallville like us remembered. And Never seen Chris, episode. Kristen Quest. Oh, did you not see it? No, no, oh, wait, no. I thought it'd be the sort of thing that you would, you would have watched back in your youth. I think... It, there's a lot of... By the time I would have got into that, mm. there was just like 200 episodes. Mm. So I'm just like, oh, that's too much work. But there were well-known actors and actresses that were involved. I think Richard Branson denied he went on one of the programmes, like quite vigorously. <laughs> and you would. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the programmes of Smallville. How can he deny it? What in that? That wasn't me. That wasn't me. It was a double. So, yeah, you'll see that if you ever look up on Wikipedia, you'll see the list of people who went or have now said that, no, 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 I wasn't involved at all. Yeah. They're on the, on the front cover of major magazines. They were very well known. They had thousands of members and they set themselves up in Albany and this headquarters and all around this guy, Keith, who was, was set himself up as a guru. You had to call him Vanguard. You had to call his second in command, Nancy, prefect. And they had all these sashes that you would have with different colours. And quite clearly from the outside, you can see that they're using um, organised religion, yeah. cult, behaviour, you know, to, to create this... this growing community and building it you know people living next door to each other people marrying each other it um very much max of the the other organizations that we can we can we can think of like scientology oh i was wondering if we're going to name them no yeah i am yes but really build themselves around that brand of you're in the group or you're not yes so the vow the, the original series took you through through this amazing documentary evidence from the time. And I spent a long time thinking, how do they have this video? Because they're, they're taking you through the past. You, you obviously know something's awry, but they're taking you through the past. They're taking you through all these things that Keith's saying, is it Nancy? You're intimately seeing them in their, in their houses and they're going for walks in the middle of the night and it's all recorded. And you're thinking, how did they get that? Well, of course... The documentary itself was made by ex-Nexium members, people who had discovered that something was going wrong within this organisation, and one of those people was was a filmmaker. So he had all of the tapes. He was the person. It's inconvenient for them, it was, isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah. Um, and also, um, Ranieri uh, um, allegedly said that he wanted everything filmed so that people could see what they were doing, and which I think is quite a clever thing, isn't hmm. it? Of like, oh well, I've got nothing to hide. Many things were, were going wrong within the, I'm going to put it in inverted commas, the organisation. And you um, 
come to learn about it almost as the characters within the documentary are learning about it as well because you, you're essentially seeing it all in, in real time in this documentary footage and then at the end um Ranieri's arrested Alison Mack's arrested all the people involved in Nick's game are arrested on a huge number of, of very serious charges from um trafficking offenses sexual slavery um kidnapping imprisonment um, these huge, huge, and some of them re- I really didn't understand at the time yeah. how those were coming about. Anyway, we're back for the ne- the next part of the story, and this is essentially taking us through what happened next, the the whole of the court case. It's incredibly well done, and I, I'm conflicted by it because again, it's made by the people who are ex members. Sometimes I feel like they're using the techniques. <laughs> of the organisation on me as an audience member and I find myself getting really pulled into what they're saying and then realising that it, like the end of every episode there's a major cliffhanger and thinking, am I just being taken over by the techniques that they used within this 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 cult and am I, am I just going along with it? There are also some ethical questions because they they do interview people who were found to be guilty of of the offences and give them a platform to talk about the work that they did. There's a particular episode, and this isn't giving anything away because they've talked about it before, a particular episode where they try to, in inverted commas, and to an extent do, cure people who have particular syndromes mm. using the techniques and the you know cognitive behavioral techniques and that it's nothing new but you can see it working on the screen and you think oh they were really doing some good because people felt better about themselves but then obviously there's this there's this huge um, majorly dark side to it the reason i'm going back to it is because i find it fascinating i find any sort of organized um community groups that have like this this head person at the front of them that everyone just seems to have so much trust in and no one queries who then takes people on a journey where you go oh you wouldn't agree to that oh you totally like question that or you'd say what on earth are you doing and they don't and you just say how does that how does that happen at the same time i am also (laughs) oh before we move on what can i just ask you a question Mm -hmm. I imagine learning about a sex cult is far more interesting than watching the trial of someone accused of heading up a sex cult. Mm, not necessarily. Obviously, you've... I've oh, not seen either thing. I'm getting massive season two of uh, Making a Murderer. No, because... I mean, I'm using the term sex cult in a really light-hearted way, probably because I'm going to come on and talk about another, another organisation that had the same thing, sort of the same title given to it. Um, which is a, a little bit, well, actually, that, I mean, that's very dark as well. But anyway, that's the title that was given to both of these organisations. I'll talk about the other documentary in a minute. The The interesting thing about this second series is that it shines a light on aspects of the organisation that I could, I never dreamed were possible. And so it's not just that, oh, he's a very bad man and he's done terrible things and we know what those bad things are. It's opening a Pandora's box into things that were happening in season one, you know, at yeah. the, in the timeline of season one, that the people who were making the documentary at season one did not know were happening. And so we are finding out as they are finding out and 
the stakes get more and more and more. Even though I know what the outcome of the of the trial is, I'm finding it fascinating. Uh, okay, because I have massive Joe, Exo- uh, Joe Exotic Shrek's, yeah, yeah, Shrek's back yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not that. It it's a continuation of of the story in an interesting way, and also showing showing you more inf- it's giving you more information it's not just a, oh what happened next it's a oh okay you think you know you th- think you know the story but so you know here i have some more information and like i say we're making like we're calling it sex school because that's what the press called it but there's some retro- like evil things have happened um to to men but particularly to women to women who were um, forced into, like I say, sexual slavery. So, listeners, next time Elaine says, "I don't know why you're watching this," <laughs> just bear this in mind. Let's let's just refer back to this. And then the the, well, the second documentary, I, I must mention it because I, I've um, I mentioned it before, but equally fascinating to me for the same reasons of I find it really interesting why people get behind certain people, and I, I like to look at the psychology of it. But this one, uh, this documentary, it's on Netflix. It's called Orgasm. Orgasm. Yes, that's a new word for orgasm. Orgasm Inc. The story of one taste. Have you heard of one taste? No, but I'm gonna. <laughs> well, and and you're right to put that face on because one taste was a company that was set up ostensibly to teach people about female pleasure and it was um essentially a sex school and they would have someone in the middle of the class and there would be someone performing um techniques with their hands to that person and showing the class which was mainly, <laughs> mainly men um how they could increase the pleasure of the of the female partner. So on the surface, again, it's all about female empowerment. It's all about you know we are women, we deserve pleasure. And um, there's a really you know really strong positive focus to it. And um, the there is a guru. You know there is this woman who's come coming out and she's doing these YouTubers. She's doing TED talks. She's making a large amount of money from. Um, not only these classes, but from just being a personality. And of course, again, and this is where we have to put a serious face on, there is a really dark underbelly where women were coerced to do things that they didn't want to, where young women in particular who were really um, thinking about and, and learning about their sexuality um, felt felt that they were in a position where they couldn't say no to things. And it, it, it really does take a dark turn. Again, the... And, the reason that I the reason I started to watch it because A was the title pulled me and I just thought, Oh, what's this? Would do, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's this? This looks interesting. But also that idea again, that theme of you know, why do people follow someone who you can clearly see there's this element of charlatan about you can clearly see that there's something not quite right. And yet, why do we as 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 intelligent people push all of that aside because you know do we want to follow someone do we want to believe in something do we want to be part of a community what is it that leads well-heeled privileged in the mo- in the particularly with these these groups um intelligent people to 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 do this to to throw everything behind uh um like a, a philosophy and an, an organization 
that was a lot longer than I anticipated having, on doing. I mean, <laughs> on I, I could speculate, but yeah. having not seen it, I mean, yeah, it, it, this isn't going to be something that I watch. No, um, no, it, it isn't. But if you are into that, dear, dear listeners, if you're really into that idea of the psychology of what, why would people do this? Why would they travel to Albany to be with this guru called Keith to walk around in the middle of the night to have him tell you things that, you know, will in inverted commas change your life? Why would you... Um, become become part of an organisation that that is is taking you down a very dark path in terms of your your sexual health. And you know that's the question that I I I ask myself when I'm watching these. I, I think if I wasn't recorded, I would be speculating mm. on this, which mm. is unwise mm. and in such a yeah, moment. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you're okay. into that, anyone who's who's listening, if you, if that's the sort of thing that floats your boat like it does me. The, both of these organisations, The Vow, which is on Sky Documentaries, and Orgasm Inc. Um, I think it's the story of one taste, but it could be something else. That's going to get the listeners when you get, when you put it in the title, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's like, it is the story of one taste. Yeah, I've just looked it up. The story of one taste. That um, Both of those documentaries are a fascinating watch. Okay. The Bear. The Bear. Probably one of my top shows I've seen this year. Mm, you're not the first person to say that. I no. Think. Um, the bear. What do you know about the bear? Is is it something to do with chefing? Because I've, that's that's um, that's a word. Yeah, chefing. Yeah, yeah, chefing is a word. That's not a word. It is a word. They use it on MasterChef. Chefing. These are a lot of things on MasterChef <laughs> that I don't think are accepted outside. Um. So I've seen a photograph of someone who looks really stressed out and I think he's in chef's whites yes. or with a knife or something, you know, chopping something. Mm. That's what I... So this, this is the story of Jeremy Allen White, who plays Kami and is a Mich- an equivalent of a Michelin star chef. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the hot young thing. He is working in the best kitchen in the world. He is he has his own cookbooks. Mm-hmm. He is featured in culinary magazines. He is well known to chefs around the world. And he inherits his brother's sandwich business in Chicago. And quits so quits his Michelin star job to take over the family business that, that of a Chicago subs um, subway. Um, oh, is that the like the equivalent? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 doing. It's called beef. Okay. And it does beef subs oh, essentially. It's, a, it's your favorite place ever to go to. Though. Absolutely, absolutely. This is not about a Michelin star chef who goes on to take it. Sort of. Like, this is about a film, a TV show about grief. It's a TV show about respect within a workplace. It's a TV show just about like just about people. This is um I think if this was a badly done show, the first episode would be him probably doing an interview, then going in and put, sprinkling some uh, saffron on top of oh, some yes. caviar, yeah. and then he'll get a phone call and mm-hmm. he'll go home and they'll be with the the the, the um the lawyers looking after the estate and he'd find it out, and then that would be the end of the first episode. We don't get that. We start off with him working in the kitchen of beef. He is surrounded by these people who do not understand why a Michelin star chef is coming into this environment. Uh, he is trying to organise it in an efficient way. He's trying to bring the standards of a top class restaurant into this little fast food restaurant, essentially. And he is still having to deal with the grief of losing his brother. Um, his brother's best friend is working there who seems like the worst person in the world. I mean, I am pre 
cursed to say that because um, Ebon Moss Backrack, who do you remember? Did you ever watch Girls? No, no, okay. never did. Yeah, there is a character in that called Desi who dated the girl from Girls who is in Get Out. Right, I understand. And is genuinely one of the best written, worst people you've ever seen. I I just consider him Desi in everything. Um, and he is plays a dickhead so well. But a dickhead that you can warm to at points. Like, yeah. Um, I can't tell you probably any character's name without looking them up. But the writing is so good that I know every single character in this and I could point them out and I could say, oh, he, she is just like that person. They are just like that person because they're so well written. It's a half an hour comedy drama. People say it's stressful and obviously it's work in a kitchen. I don't consider this any more stressful than the bit in MasterChef where you go and okay. work in a kitchen. Oh, well, that's good to know because I think I've avoided it because of that vibe that people have mm. given like around it you know when when they've said oh it's like you've got to sit oh it's gonna like blow your mind and and oh you've got to uh, and that i do not need that on it's, a night time just yeah i think yeah because um, a lot of tv shows and films about being a chef are like that aren't there there's, yes there's been that stephen graham film recently where it's all one one take, isn't yeah. it? And it's like I won't call it boiling point. Yeah, it yeah, make, I think yeah. it might be. Um, and that's meant to be like a heart attack just watching it. I so, find I find those stressful. Mm. I find Master Chef when they're going to the kitchen more mm. stressful than you. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't necessarily find this any more or less stressful okay. than that. That's good um, But this is just so well written. Like nothing's laid on a plate for you. Like you everything's in the oh god I didn't even mean <laughs> to do that nice. everything's in the subtext of the conversations that people have um Ayoeda Biri plays Sydney who's a trainee chef who's coming to work at Beef because she idolises Kami and she wants a job in a kitchen and like but she wouldn't be getting a job in a sandwich kitchen essentially mm-hmm. it, this is this is so, so good. And I really think that enough people are missing out on this because okay. there's a lot out at the minute. But yeah, just check it out. Um, your favourite turns up for a couple of episodes. Really? Who? Oliver Platt. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, he's he plays Uncle Jimmy, who's oh, a, like no. a mafioso figure. Uncle he's, Jimmy yeah. anytime. You've got some weird crushes. <laughs> i got some weird crushes. I know. He is old now, isn't he? But yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's eight episodes. It's half an hour long. Oh, okay. Half so an hour. So you, you can get through this in four hours. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's shorter than some of the Lord of the Rings films yeah. in extended editions. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's got the electricity, which for long-time listeners, um, they will know, that uh, you really enjoy things with electricity in. Unlike no. the Lord of the Rings films. No, I just put off by scenarios where that are set in a, like a time where electricity doesn't exist. I know. Yes, yeah, so I'm just explaining for new listeners. Okay. Yeah. So. You want to have a discussion about Andor. Yes. With the, the highlight being the word discussion. So how do you want to play it then? So, I have a question for you. You do. I don't know what I've just said you do. Yeah. like, yes, you do. You do I've have a question. I've heard so many people say Andor is so good. It's a thing that's got me back into Star Wars. Yes. Um, I, I was so bored of all the Star Wars TV shows, but I, I am so back on this. It's one of the best shows of the year. I am yet to find anyone eloquently state a reason why. 
However, I saw you listen to watch about four episodes a day <laughs> for two days to get caught up. Can you tell me why? So I think I come from it from a very different point of view is that I I kind of missed out on the Star Wars thing. I think I've had one Star Wars t-shirt, which if I've got a t-shirt, you tend to find that I like it. But it was more of a like rather than a love. I've never really got into sort of like collecting any of the, the characters or um, going through the lore or, you know, things that I really would do if I was really, really into it. Yeah. Um, and that, of course, there's huge amounts around Star Wars as well. So it's something that you could really, really get into the fandom. I enjoy the films. If they're on the telly, watch them. I have the box set mm. in various guises. Um, you know, when the um, the prequels came out, I had a big poster of uh, little little Anakin Skywalker with, with the shadow, shadow of, of Darth, yeah. which I really loved at the time. You know, so that sort of thing. So it's, I've just liked it. We when we've got into things like the Mandalorian, I have enjoyed the Mandalorian, but not necessarily because it's Star Wars. It, I've just enjoyed it because of it, the, the show that it is. Yeah, I was not taken with the Book of Boba Fett. Um, in any way, shape, or form, and I certainly was didn't. I can't even remember to be honest with you. The the one about um, oh, what's his name? He's got a beard and he's a Jedi. Obi <laughs> shows you the the level of my fandom. Yeah, he's got so a Obi, beard he's and he's a, a Jedi. Kenobi. There we go. He's in a cave. <laughs> so yeah, when so when they announced that they were doing a spin-off of a character from a film I can barely remember, Rogue One, that I think I enjoyed. Like, I, I so can't remember it. I can't remember if I liked it or not. I think I did. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I have not thought much about it since. Exactly. Yeah. The, the major thing I've thought about it is that friend of the podcast, Chris, hi Chris, went to find a, 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 a filming location in London. They used one of the tube stations. Canary Wharf that, tube station yeah. was in the trailer, but not oh, in the actual. Well, well he went there itself. and he um, he filmed him. He put, like photographed himself at the angle and then did a screenshot. And that's I really remember that. <laughs> if that's the biggest thing I remember about the film, that's this is a bit of a worry, isn't it? I remember at the time thinking, oh, this Cassie and Andor, what on earth are they doing? Going back this this character that for me was really just a cipher. He didn't really have any any anything that I could hook myself around. Whereas some of the other characters from Rogue One, I could I could recall. So I didn't want to watch it at all. I wasn't going to watch it. And then I heard people like you say, saying that it was the best thing not only in terms of the latest guises of Star Wars, but just generally saying it'll be in their top, you know, top one or two programmes of of the year. And so that's why I went into it. I watched the first three episodes and thought, what? (laughs) What is everyone going on about? Maybe I'm just missing this because they were fine, they were interesting, but I didn't really get it and then episode four really changed everything for me the the only way to answer your question the only thing i think there's a couple of things first of all i care about the people i care about their predicaments and i care about them in a really human way that i can relate their predicaments to what's going on in the world right now Okay. So the things that are happening within Andor, I can make clear links between world events and 
the, uh, the the events that are that are happen- happening there, even though they're happening on planets that don't exist, and you know, galaxy far far, 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 far away. That's a big rich man bought their social network. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm going to be very careful with what I say, but this is not a show about the Skywalker family. This is not a show about Jedi's. This is a show about real people living under the auspices of the Empire and how that affects so many different people on so many different levels. There are, if you, even if you take away the Star Warsy elements of it, there's a set of three episodes in particular that are so brilliantly done. You could take it and put it into present day you could just take the whole of those events and put it into present day and you would you would believe it was happening now and the only thing about the program is that it's happening on some sort of planet that we don't we don't know we maybe we don't understand that's got some aliens on it but you could take that scenario and and you can absolutely tra- you know put the tracing paper onto today's events the acting is superb like Utterly, utterly super. I mean, it's got great people in, as far it, as I can it tell. It has, and the writing. It's like they've sat down, thought about the right, you know, gone round, done a few edits, and then they've gone around again for maybe another 10, 20 times and honed it absolutely perfect. You, you know, you were talking about in the bear, you know, all of the characters, you yeah. know that. I would say the same about okay. it. takes a while, but once it hits its stride, mm. You care about every single person. You know where they all are. You don't have to, you know, say, oh, what's this person doing? What's that person doing? Things happen that are realistic, that aren't cliched. Yeah. It's it's just wonderful. And like you say, I have consumed it. And actually to a point where I've had to stop myself and really think about slowing it down because I've only got one more episode to go and I'll be quite sad. Um, it, it's... Really, I find it fascinating because this should not be a show for me. I, um, and maybe I would have watched these first three episodes and gone, okay, fine. But it was only because people were saying, this is my show of the, of the year. The, I don't know whether you've heard, maybe you haven't because you won't have been listening to all the spoiler episodes. But the phrase that, that comes up all the time is, Star Wars for adults. And I can understand why that's the moniker that's been used. You're putting me off that, now. Because it is. It's it, it's not your. It it's not for children. Yeah. It it has incredibly dark themes, and incredibly dark things happen within it. Does does that help in any way? <laughs> Should have just said it's got Christopher Fairbanks in it, and. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. Um, I just saw you watching it, and Moxie was there. Moxie with... turns up. <laughs> I mean, everyone turns up in it. I mean, honestly, hun, in episode one, there are people from EastEnders, there are people from Coronation Street. There's there's a huge British and Irish cast. In their, in their characters from EastEnders well, and Coronation sometimes. Street. <laughs> um, they've really... Lofty and curly together at last. They've, they've really gone for it in terms of your, your character actors, but also people who are very well known on stage. And, and theatrical actors. Okay. So every episode you kind of go, oh, that's so-and-so. Oh, that's it. You can play that game quite a lot yeah. in this. 
to people in the background or you know people in the foreground and i listened to an, another another spoiler podcast i've listened to so many of them i can't even remember who it is and the person on it who was hosting said oh yeah i did a show with them five years ago in edinburgh fridge you know and they said <laughs> oh, i'm watching them say oh there he is he's like you know number number two guard mm-hmm. on the left hand side and the the interviews that they were doing they said that to the, the people behind it and they said oh yeah i just i just I have free reign. I just wanted to cast who I wanted to cast. I think we're getting to the stage where I need to start catching up on things for sort of end of year lists and stuff like that. I'll give it a go. Yeah. Just do do the first three, I think, not really thinking about, just kind of going, it's setting it up, it's setting it up. And I think once you get to episode... They're about half an hour to 40 minutes. Okay, right. They're not as long as you think because when you get... And you found this with me when I was in bed watching it the other night... I said, "Oh, I've got about eight minutes left on the um, on the like the video thingy." So I started um, doing something, yeah. and then you were like, "Right, finished." And that's because it's just got huge amounts of credits at the end, yeah. so it's not as long as as it looks when you when you bring it up on on screen. Funnily enough, I bumped into um, our friend Jim. Hello, Jim, if you're listening. And he said that it took him a little bit longer, sort of more into episode five to to get into it. So you know, mileage may vary on this. I think, but. Okay. He also said he found it very good. We've got a lot of films to talk about. Yeah, we have. Should we move on to that? <laughs> films we've seen together. Films we've seen together, films we've seen separately. Saturday night and the movies. Who cares what picture you see? When you're hugging with your baby, let's roll in the balcony. Movies, what are we doing first? Do you want to do The Wonder? <laughs> yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, it is called The Wonder. Yeah, so The Wonder is a film that's come out this year. Be careful if you're looking it up because there have been many things called The Wonder. And so when I'm looking up on like IMDb or looking up on Wikipedia, I have to specifically say Florence Pugh. <laughs> so that tells you a little bit about the film. It's a film that's set in the 1860s in Ireland. In a small village in Ireland, Florence Pugh is an English nurse. She comes over to Ireland because the elders of the village are in need of some assistance. There's an 11-year-old girl in the village who, it is said, has not eaten for four months. And Florence Pugh, with the aid of a nun, because, of course, you've got to have a nun as well, is charged to watch the girl yeah, and see what happens over a period of two weeks. And that's where I'm going to leave it, because the less you know about this film, the better. I went in just knowing that. I knew Florence Pugh was in it. I didn't know that she was an English nurse. I just knew that she'd been called to this village. And in the trailer, it says, this girl, who's this 11-year-old girl, um, hasn't eaten. And in the trailer, she says, how long has the girl not eaten? And they say four months. And she says, that's impossible. So, of course, there is this question as to how how it is happening. Is it a miracle? Many people in the village are coming to see her specifically because they feel it's a religious miracle and of course there are other people who are more scientifically minded who are saying well something must be happening so if you didn't know much about this film mm. what was it that attracted you to this tom burke film <laughs> the wonder <laughs> yeah so i've talked about Florence view a lot because obviously she is the main, the main person in it but uh, yes tom burke does pop up um and i was very excited to see him in the in this role even though he, they don't i mean it's 18, 1860s isn't it i think it's 1862 they do dress him in a way that makes him look less attractive i have to say it is probably the least attractive tom burke that i have seen but still attractive mark but still attractive 
very lovely man on it. I think it was the sideburns were a little bit too big and the uh, 1800s clothes that put me off a bit. You can pair over Tom Burke <laughs> if I can pair over Florence Pugh if that's okay. I mean, Florence Pugh is absolutely stunning in this film. Funny that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's become one of those things, isn't it, where to heap praise on Florence Pugh is, is something that's incredibly natural to do. But I have to say that she has had an absolute stellar year with Don't Worry Darling with this film. But I am concerned that Don't Worry Darling, for all the wrong reasons, has been getting the most attention and that this has really gone under the radar. I went to see it in the cinema, which it was be- I mean, it's a beautiful cinema tour. You can imagine Ireland in, in the, um, you know, the, the um, 19th century, beautiful vistas. Um, it's been a while since rocks. I've seen a film in, uh, <laughs> set in Craggy Rocks of Ireland. I was uh, about to say. In, in the olden days. We've got an, I, I'm, I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be setting up the synopsis for that, so I'm probably just going to be saying the same thing. Um, but yeah, it, absolutely beautiful film. It, it is on at the cinema, but it's also coming on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix in a few days' time, actually. Okay. And I think a lot of people will wait to see it in Netflix, which is fair enough. But if you can, go and see this film. Go and see it, absolutely, for Florence Pugh. She is stunning. I mean, the camera just loves her, and she takes us through the whole of this story. But this film has been getting really mid... Sort of... How can I say it? Like, really middling? Middling. middling. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Middling reviews. It's been getting sort of three out of five stars, for example, in nearly everything that I've seen. Or when people are talking about it, they've just talked about the Florence Pugh effect. I think that's really doing it an injustice. Cinematography, story-wise, acting, the other people involved in the in the film, and it's a small um, team of actors because it's, it, I mean, it's, it, it really strikes me as being something that could be on the stage. Yeah. I think it completely doesn't an injustice to say, oh, we'll just go for Florence Pugh because that takes away all the other elements of the film that really kept me going. I was totally compelled. I did not know one way or another how this girl was staying alive when she wasn't eating, when people are in the room with her day in, day out and she's not eating and yet she's, she still lives. And it's some really dark moments within the film, some things that I didn't expect, some twists, some turns, but a, a really interesting film and a lot to think about, and I have thought about it um, since I left it. The only thing I would say is that the relationship between Tom Burke and Florence Pugh, their characters, whilst there's plenty there to hang your hat on I think they could have done with a few more scenes together I was left wanting a little more and it being fleshed out a little bit more but that was the only thing I was absolutely giving it four and a half maybe four on you know in reflection after I'd calmed down a bit maybe it was the Tom Burke effect but I, I, I feel the three stars and maybe that these middling this sort of meh go, go for Florence Pugh but don't worry about the rest of the film it really doesn't sit right with me. I think go and sit, enjoy the whole film, enjoy the fact that Florence Pugh is there, enjoy the other people who are involved in the film, and enjoy that central premise of someone who might be having a miracle occur. I, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't tempted with this at all, mm. but having heard you describe it, I probably will check this out when it's on Netflix. Yeah, I think on Netflix. It's not a long film. Um, I You've mean, said I that before. That, I say that before, but it, it wasn't sort of like two and a half hours. I think it was two hours, something like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really loved it. But like I say, it's a dark film. It's not a jolly film. Don't go, you know, don't stick your Netflix on if you're looking for a Friday night laugh a minute, because it isn't. 
it, it's very much something to contemplate and, and to think about, and there are some very dark themes involved. Okay. Do you know a film you shouldn't go see at the cinema? Is it Black Adam? It is. <laughs> so I wasn't compelled to watch this at all. You know, talking about things that you know we've been to see individually that we that we haven't really wanted to to go to. Yeah, but it's The Rock. Yes. It's The Rock in the DC universe mm. playing a. I mean, it's, it's kind of a follow up to Shazam. Right. Which you've seen? Right? I have seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, um, Shazam Two is coming out soon. I saw a trailer for that the other day. Yes. Um, this is The Rock getting his ideal role, which is one of the I don't know how you pronounce how you explain it. One of the Shazams <laughs> from from the Yieldy World. Is there a, a is there a phrase that is, are they called something in particular? I don't know. Okay, right. I, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing more about this than <laughs> yeah, I even yeah. wanted to. Okay, go on. Yeah, he he gets the powers of the Shazam. He he gets trapped in encased in stone. And is dug up in modern day. Okay. This is really fucking bad. Mm. Um, I went in expecting some fun from The Rock, which you do get, but it's it's The Rock performance that you get. We were watching San Andreas earlier today. Yeah, we were really enjoying it, actually. It's largely the same <laughs> performance. It's the same performance as Jungle Cruise, same performance as Rampage, same actual director as Jungle Cruise. and Yeah. Um, there are some good guys in this because he's kind of an anti-hero Black Adam as far as I can tell there is the Justice Force or I, I, you know what oh God, you I know don't even know yeah um, are they all meant to be linked to Batman and other people in that so these that are country? like secondary superheroes so there's Hawkman played by Aldous Hodge <laughs> sorry is that Hawkeye well <laughs> the, the, are these all like takeoffs of well, the Marvel. look, I don't know in DC world who came first. Yeah, like, yeah. like, but there is Hawkman who is very much has wings and can fly, not unlike the Falcon. Oh, right, wow. There is Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate, who nice. is a mystic wizard who can <laughs> see into the future. <laughs> you know that bit in um, Avengers: Infinity War where where Doctor Strange looks into the future. Yeah, that that. There is Noah Centineo, I think it's, it's pronounced, as right. Atom Smasher. So imagine Ant-Man dressed as Deadpool. Okay. And that's just it. Like, there is no other way around that. And then there is a Quintessa Swindell, a Cyclone, which is a, Storm. a superhero who can has the powers of the wind. And all the way through, it's just... I mean, they must know. They must know. I mean, he looks just like Deadpool. Like, it's not even a joke. And he is big, like Ant-Man, like when Ant-Man goes big. Do they big. play on it at all? Do they... Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no they they're just... They're just, right, they're just very earnest. Just this and, force yeah, or whatever. Okay. I don't even know what it is. And I, mm-hmm. this film is not even worth looking up how long okay. it is. Don't go see it. Don't mm-hmm. encourage them. Mm-hmm. They're going to make more. Um, oh, no. James Gunn is now taking over the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, by all accounts, he's going to have his hands full with The Rock, who really wants to... Do films exactly how he wants them, <sighs> but yeah, don't oh, don't go see that. It it, it it's it's spectacularly shit. Mm. Should we talk about a good film? Yeah, let's talk about good films. Well, I mean, oh, we, don't, away. <laughs> we don't know what each other think of these films, but um, yeah, but they've got to be better than that, surely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which one do you first? We've got Black Panther and we've got... What's the other one? I got the Banshee Bans- of Inisherin. Let's do the Banshee of Inisherin. Okay. 
Okay, so The Banshees of Inisherin is a Martin McDonough film. He of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri yeah. and In Bruges. And Seven Psychopaths. Oh, I don't think I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen In Bruges, to be honest with you. I've only seen The bill- really? Billboards. Yeah, oh. I don't know him very well. Anyway, we're back in Ireland. Yes. <laughs> um, we're in the 1920s this time. This is lovely for me and my historical like, films, which I love. Yeah. So we're in the 1920s. And Podrick, who is played by Colin Farrell, goes to knock on his friend Colm's door. Colm is played by Brendan Gleeson knocks on the door because they're going to go to the pub because seemingly that's what they do every day at the same time yes in this little remote village on the on this this island i think it's a fictional island or uh, it is off off the coast of of ireland but it's based on the islands off the coast of ireland that are actually in existence stop saying island i will stop saying island anyway he goes to knock on his door and colm uh, no longer speaks to him and no longer wants to be his friend and we follow padrick and his sister and some of the other characters in the on, on the island as they all try to work out and and, and really come to, come to terms it, with it together yeah, yeah why this has happened and that's the central idea isn't it it's like what happens one day when your best mate who you've spent all your time with one day you're talking to them about um your donkey which Padrick does he's talking to them about your donkey and the next day they just go don't want to be your friend anymore and and that's it isn't it that and, is and that film. takes you yes. through through the film so interestingly we went to see this separately so you had already seen it before um before i had and i wasn't really thinking of going to it i I hadn't listened to any podcasts about it sometimes when I know I'm not going to go and see a film I just listen to the podcast spoilers and all just to see what other people think of it and I hadn't I'd sort of held off for a little bit because I did think "Mm, maybe I should go and see it It was getting so many good reviews and so I am pleased I have have been to see it you didn't do anything when you came home. You did. Normally, I get a bit of a sense. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, Interesting. Normally, I get a bit of a sense of whether you think something's terrible, like a new Black Adam. You just came home saying, <laughs> but or if you get quite, you can see it in your face that it was a good experience or a good, a good film. I haven't. I couldn't even remember at one point whether you'd been to see it, and I had to remind myself that you had. I'm not getting any sort of vibe of what you think about this film, so I'm really interested to know what you made of it particularly because the the focus is on these two men yeah so and their friendship i love this film um i really really liked it when i went in when i left the cinema and ever since i i spent more time thinking about it i have loved it more and more um i think i was a little bit frustrated in the cinema that it wasn't necessarily the oh <laughs> I've got to be very careful because I think this is a film which benefits from knowing as little as what goes on as possible. There's no there's no big twists or anything like mm. that. And I, I kind of was expecting something like that. This is just the story of what happens when two people who are close, are, one decides he doesn't want to be friends. Mm. And I, yeah, the more I have thought about this, the more I have fallen in love with these characters. And yeah. And the donkey. One of the greatest animal performances ever. Like, I know that there is, like, awards for dogs in films. Yeah, yeah. The Palm Dogs. There should be an award for all animals because that that donkey was... And we're laughing, but there are animals 
constantly in in the film there's cows yeah, and it's people horses in the early 20th yeah. century who are relying upon their absolutely they're getting yeah. their milk from the cow and they're, they're yeah. delivering it to the so it, the, char- the there are various characters outside of your Colm and your your Podrick and all the other people in the village mm. and a lot of them are the um the animal characters but you really become invested in the relationship that Podrick has with his animals in particular absolutely mm. um I I think when I was in the cinema, I just thought of this as being, oh, yeah, he's decided not to be a friend, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. The more I thought about this afterwards, like how I would cope with this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a point in the, the point in the film where someone turns around and goes, is he alert? Is he 12? He's just turned <laughs> on so he didn't want to be a friend. Yeah. Is he 12? But why, why, why is that mm. wrong? Like, someone turns around to you and says, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Yeah. It would be totally different from if, for example, relationships break down all the time, mm, like you know, mm-hmm. like sexual relationships yeah. break down all the time. In in this way, where someone just turns around and says, "I don't want to be married to you anymore," yeah, yeah. doesn't happen with friends, does it? Mm, no, and, it's very rare. And I, I think the more I thought about that, and the more I sort of explored these two, there is um, in the background there is. Um, over on the mainland of Ireland, there is a civil war going on. It's, mm. that, it's that sort of time, and I think that kind of casts a shadow over the entire proceedings of this civil war between these two people. Um, the more I think about this, the more I love it. And I, if it's touching my top ten for the year, okay. and yeah. probably possibly even higher than that. Um, what did you think of it? I um, I think my my summary of it is I respect it. I didn't love it. Okay. And maybe it is that that idea of, you know, the two men and the, there's a lot about, and this is not giving anything away, there's, there are, they are clearly touching on things of um, what, what you want to do with your life and the time that you have left and also there are question marks around mental health. Yeah. So all of those things, I think, are really interesting given that it, like I say, it's two men of a certain age as well. Mm. So I can see why it would resonate with you and um, perhaps with other men, and particularly men of, a, of, a, of an age, I think. For me, I found it to be too languid, um, too slow. I found myself bored and feeling guilty that I was bored. I know, and this is, I'm not saying that it's a terrible film because it isn't. I just found myself thinking I enjoyed the wonder more than this, that it that it propelled me forward more than this. And whilst I enjoyed being in the company of the characters, I really liked Kerry is it Condon as the, the sister, yes. the role of the sister Siobhan. I thought she played that role absolutely beautifully. And I, I really like elements of Barry Keown as um a young lad Dominic that comes and and speaks the truth quite a lot of the time as well i really liked the writing but i felt that it was just too long and i did find myself getting bored and think and i found myself checking my watch and thinking when's this going to end i think it starts to pick up towards the end and i kind of wish that that had happened a little bit earlier and that there had been more a propulsion earlier and things had escalated more and perhaps gone a little further i feel that it's just getting going towards the end i also and i think this is very much a personal point the there is a 
there is, and it's called the Banshees of Inishirin. There are references to Macbeth and the witches in Macbeth. There is a lot of portent and the idea that someone might be able to, you know, see the future and there was almost like some horror elements as as well of Absolutely. people sort of people in black just stand, standing and maybe personally for me i wanted more of that i think it's the sort of thing that lends itself to me i would have liked to have understood a little bit more about those supernatural or mystical spiritual elements that were being brought into it but yeah i like i say i completely respect it as a film I can see why everyone loves it. I can see why it's getting all of the accolades. It's not something I would watch again. And whilst I think there are some beautiful moments in it and some stunning acting, I think Colin Farrell in particular, I mean, it's always difficult to pick one person out, but I think he absolutely deserves um, a number of awards. Whilst I can say all of that, to put together as a film... I've, like I say, I found myself watching it thinking, I'm sure Mark absolutely loves this. I am, I am respectfully going, hmm, this is, this is good. These elements are good. But as a film, as a whole, I can't say I love it. One point I was like sort of two stars, three stars, which oh. I know is a travesty. And I know that because if you put it down in writing and you tick off all the things that are good about it, that clearly isn't the case. But that's what I'm having to do. I'm having to go, ah, oh, that acting was really good. Oh, that cinematography was really good. Oh, I really like that bit with the donkey. But as a whole, <laughs> I came away feeling very cold. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm mm. not happy about it. I'm not happy about it at all. Cause I, Why I don't listened... you just enjoy it more? <laughs> I, mean, I listened to the Cinemiles review of yes. it. And obviously they are from Ireland yeah. and had a lot to say about the history, which I really enjoyed. And they talked about it in such glowing terms. And when I heard them talking about it, I felt a bit sad because I was like, oh, I wanted a bit of that. And I just didn't have it. But I'm glad you did. Which character did you warm towards most? Oh, Siobhan, probably. No, out of the oh, two. Oh, out of the leads. two. Um, oh, now it's really interesting because I can see both sides of the... I don't think there was a... It wasn't a binary for me. It wasn't, oh, I'm on so-and-so's side or I'm on this other person is right or wrong. I can totally see because both perspectives. The film is told... Largely with uh, Colin Farrell's character Patrick mm. as the as the the, the eyes of the film, yeah. it's first person. We see it through his eyes. Mm. But this is a film where the more I thought about it, the more I, I I'm with Black Brendan Gleeson's character because yeah. he makes it very clear what he wants yes. and doesn't get that. Yeah, and yeah, I I, I didn't feel like that when I was halfway through the film but then the more you sort of sit with it and the more it sort of developed with me yeah and it's the question of why he wants yeah. that why does he want this particular thing to happen and he's not mm. being cruel to oh well and sort of some people would say that he was in the film yeah you know they say oh well that's you know it's not fair that mm. you just don't want to hang around with him anymore but he's not he's he's not being violent towards him he's not he's just he's setting out very particular boundaries and saying 
this is what I want and like respect that. And so I and if it was it. and again if it was a if it was a like if it was a sexual relationship and mm. these were the boundaries you would be far less sympathetic with someone who like continued to break them than to, in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we are dancing around spoilers yeah, and are, I, yeah, I think yeah, we okay. need to move on yeah. to Black Panther just in case. Yeah. But yeah, I mean this is a huge um recommendation for me. Um And it is also a recommendation for me, but with the caveat of I didn't I didn't love it, but I yeah. think people should go and see it for all the good things that mm. I've that I've listed. Black Panther. Black Panther. Wakanda Forever. Absolutely. So this is the follow-up to the ultra, ultra successful 2018 film. Mm-hmm. It's been, oh God, four years since that came I out. I know, um, a lot's happened. So the plot is the people of Wakanda are trying to get over the death of King T'Challa, um, whilst also dealing with other nations wanting access to their vibranium, which is seen as kind of a weapon of mass destruction in terms of real-world terms in the film. The two things this film has to deal with. Um, one is obviously the tragic death of Chadwick Boseman, who played King T'Challa, um, and that is addressed up front and very soon into the film, and then it has to go on from there. But I think the other thing that is really, really clear about this film is just how much of a cultural phenomenon the original Black Panther was, especially for black audiences in America. I mean, in America, this is still the sixth highest grossing film of all time. It made more than in um, Avengers Infinity War, which was released the same year. It is uh, maybe the year after? No, no, no. After, yeah, no, it, it was the same year. Yeah, this was the precursor to it. Um, and... So to go into this, I'm fully aware that the character of Black Panther and the the land of Wakanda means so much to a large part of the audience of this. Um, for me, I think this film is absolutely beautiful from the beginning. Um, within sort of 30 seconds of characters appearing on screen, I was in tears. And there is a very emotional send off to the Kick T'Challa character, which which takes place in the pre, sort of pre credits segment. Then we have to get into the plot, and for me, I think about fifty percent of this film works. All the characters come back apart from apart obviously apart from King T'Challa, and I kind of wish I'd done another watch of the original Black Panther because there's so much lore in in the land of Wakanda and the spiritual side of um of the of the country that I was kinda like, oh, I kind of remember that. This references the first Black Panther film constantly in characters and things like that. And I was at some points just had to let it take me along on those. But a lot of the plot seemed like subplot to me. And I'd like to go into that, but what what are your thoughts mm, on the film? It was really interesting because I think for the first time in uh, tonight talking about film we're in total agreement so everything that you said I, I completely agree with and it, it when you were talking I was just nodding away I think that it comes with all that baggage doesn't it particularly that baggage around the grief and, and the death around Chadwick Boseman I thought that was so beautifully done I think it was incredibly emotional you could see the the people on the screen were were feeling it as well I don't think there was much acting going on no. when you were having um uh, 
a um, references to, to to his death. And I thought they also, I really thought, without saying anything around how they've plotted it, I thought the way that they've dealt with his death in terms of the facts of how he died in the film were really cleverly done. Yeah. And I was glad that they did it that way. It would be very easy for, oh my God, someone's come someone's and attacked. Go- yeah, oh, here's yes. it. oh, we see the, um, the, oh, he's in a building and, he's, and he doesn't come yes. out. And, and you don't have to show any anyone running it, you know. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. so badly done. You can just see it with your. If I close my eyes, I can see these terrible versions of how they could have could have done it, or um, just references to a particular way of someone dying. And but this I thought was really beautifully done. Actually, I thought um, there's a lot of truth to it, and and therefore a lot of beauty in respecting what happened. Um, to Chadwick Boseman and I thought it was um, beautifully done in, in terms of the scenes and the film and then it f- goes forward one year later and the film is really a lament on grief and on bereavement and how different people deal with death particularly of a much-loved family member and you can see how um, certain characters really represent people who find comfort in spirituality in thinking about their ancestors in thinking yeah. about people who have passed before and then other people who um and shuri um chichala's sister in this very much represents this, this side of it of saying when someone's dead they're dead they're yeah. gone they're not putting their hand on your shoulder they're not guiding you they're, they're dead mm. so i thought that was really interesting from the point of view of showing you all of those different sides and ways of dealing with with grief and then like you say you get into the plot and whilst i find some really interesting thematic ideas within the plot when they're talking about who has the right to particular resources how resources from certain nations are plundered by other nations who come and um, it's quite a wild concept oppre- in the real world, isn't oh, it? Oh, this is it. I mean, the oppression of, of marginalised communities, you know, and that is spoken about totally within within this film. Yeah. I respected that. I enjoyed thinking about those elements. But the new villain, I'm going to put in inverted commas, the new person who we are dealing with, the new characters that come in as... Um, potential threats to Wakanda I found very very difficult to get on board with there are scenes in this film that really reminded me of a cut rate avatar um and that's all I'm gonna say yeah. about that I think there are there, some CGI pylons that didn't work for me and I thought we might have got out of that with Marvel, I thought we might be looking towards something a little bit more nuanced and there were certain things where it was just, oh, more people jumping on more people, oh, more fighting on more fighting. I completely agree with you. I wish I'd watched the first film before we'd gone to see it. I found myself quite lost at times. Like you, I went with it. I just kind of thought, yeah, I have no idea who this woman is, but I'm going to guess that maybe she was some sort of love interest. You know, all of this. I I wasn't that far. Yeah, I was completely, especially with characters. Um, So 
yes, there were various points where I was like, I have no idea who these people are. I can't remember if they're in the first film or not, or whether they're new people. There is a plot point towards the end of the film that I found really objectionable. <laughs> um, but I've heard other people talking about it, saying that it was the most thrilling thing that they've ever come across, or the you know the most touching or whatever. Just saying that it, it's it's sorted out their life for them. So I, I'm and I have to. I'm of, trying to work you know, out what this is. Yeah. Is, it, is it what I think it is? Is it? Yeah. I'm just gonna do a yeah, thing. Yeah, done a yes, thing. Done an yeah. action. Yeah. yeah. And I it's think good a, lot, on a video podcast. Isn't a lot it? of that does go into what you're talking about is the cultural phenomenon and what this character means to other people. Yes. And because I don't have that affinity with mm. it, because I I I like the first Black Panther film, but and I I enjoyed it and I I liked it for for what it was. The as you know, I'm not a Marvel person. I watch them and I forget about them. Yeah. So it doesn't have that that tie. I don't have that tie with it. But for other people, it does. So I'm really, really sensitive to that. So I kind of I thought, well, it was a good few hours at the cinema. It was a bit of a roller coaster journey, and there are uh, one thing I have to say. The thing that really got me was. Angela Bassett's performance in this film. Absolutely. At one point she does this speech and it was the most stunning thing I think I've seen for such a long day. Like it hit me in my in my body. Yeah. Like I had a like a bodily reaction to it of like, oh my god, that woman has known pain and and just oh, you know, when you just go, it's like a stomach punch. Yeah. Yeah. And it just got me. It was like I'd been thrown back in my chair. Um so she really deserves all the uh, the the praise that she's getting but again you know i, I came out of it kind of going okay mm. <sighs> okay i'm gonna get a bit more specific in mm. my thoughts on it um for me how do you replace chadwick chadwick boseman mm. um you know the guy has a charisma which i mean there's a reason why he he very, everyone expected him to win the Oscar posthumously the yeah, year, in, the right. year, in 2021 and they set up the entire performance for that. Um, and then Tony Hopkins came in and... Yes, uh... <laughs> and fucked it up for everyone. But um, this film very much chooses to put the Shuri character front and centre. She is, going back to what we mentioned on the Banshees of Inner Sharing, she is the character you see this through. You see it through her eyes. And for me... I think that the transition of her from a secondary character, almost a an, a sidekick who's there for a bit of comedy effect at times and stuff like that, it didn't work for me. Um, there are probably two other characters that I would put it on. Lupita Nyong'o's character, Nakia, and Daniel Guerra as Okoye. Both far stronger characters in my mind. And I, when, I, when Shuri is featured front and centre... I wanted to see their experience rather than hers. Interesting. Um, I there are plot points like this is a long film as well. It is long. It's two hours three quarters, is it? And it felt longer. <laughs> every single there, there's about four plot points that go on simultaneously in the middle act of this film, and every single one of them seemed like B plot. Um, there is you know, people are put in peril, and then it's just they're just kind of got out of it someone yeah. comes in and goes someone just comes right, and gets them. yeah and yeah it, it kind of shines away from the action sequences which apart from obviously obviously it ends with one which mm. is, is fine um 
we know what to expect on an MCU film. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're going to do one without, and everyone will be shocked. But yeah, oh, I completely forgot there was yeah because um, I'm thinking about the um, the plot with the inverted commas villain, and now I'm remembering that Martin Freeman's in this film. Martin Freeman's <laughs> and in this a, film. There's a whole plot with like subplot with him that did not need to be there. Well, they're setting up future things. I know aren't they? they are, but I hate yeah. all of that. It's like, oh, what's the point? Um, one thing that I really did like is Dominic Thorne's character as Riri. Yeah, Riri Williams. Riri Williams. Mm. Do you know anything about her? No, but she is she the new Iron Man because she's wearing a suit that's very reminiscent. Well, there may be a there may be a Disney Plus series called Iron Heart, oh, really? which is coming out um, probably in. I thought she might be like one of like young Avengers or something like that. Is I mean, that's that what, what we're they are building up? towards. Right. Okay, well, fair uh, enough. It's not been announced yet, but if you look through every single Marvel yeah. film that's come out, there's always a, there's always a, a young junior kid. Character. Yeah, yeah, along with Hawkeye's <laughs> yeah. little friend, and uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was really good. I thought she was she was a good. Um, I want to use the word avatar again, but that's because I'm thinking of, of something else. Um, she was a, a good presence for us to sort of see through her eyes and and giving all the right comebacks to when people from Wakanda turn up at your university. Yes. You know, like it, saying it exactly seemed, what you would say. Mass- yeah. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, we've not spoke about the villain at all. No, no, we haven't. I, maybe because I can't remember their name. Name or the Submariner. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Whereas, like, obviously, and it's not a surprise that this is the villain, so we're going to go into it, but yeah, he is Marvel's version of Aquaman. And Aquaman, before Jason Momoa came along, Mm. was the most widely mocked superhero around. And, I mean, this is just a bit more ludicrous. He's got little wings on his feet so he can fly. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to go into that. Well, I mean, it's it's character design rather than, like, any spoilers or anything like that. And, And other people are blue. Is its followers are blue and it just it's just Avatar, isn't it? Like you have yeah. you can't get away from it. If I criticise Black Adam for yeah. it, then yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. There's a film set in the water with blue people yeah. coming out this this I've, winter. I found and... him a bit ludicrous, and I and I know it's not their fault that that was the comic design, but you can change it and you can yes. make people look more threatening. I thought the actor was fine. Like I'm not having a go at the actor because it's a difficult job to come into this film and to play someone who is actually you feel sim- some th- some sympathy for and you understand that his people too have been oppressed by others who have come to their country and taken over so you you completely understand where he's he's coming from but the way he is presented with his little pointy ears and it, you know he looks like an elf but he's got He's got wings on his ankles. His motivations change from scene to scene as well. Yeah, like at one point down, he's he? like, "Oh yeah," and then the next thing he's a baddie. And, yeah. yeah, and you can't. And even towards it, it almost felt like towards the end they put something else in there as well. I'm not giving anything yeah, away, no. but towards when he's talking to other people, it's almost like, "Hmm," but yes, I might have said that, but I didn't really mean that, and and I couldn't follow. Yeah, and also the people who are around him, you don't get to know. No, them in the same not. way that you know yeah. the Candons, for example. Yeah, um, it was a three star for I me. Agree. I yeah. agree totally. Yeah, uh, I think about fifty percent of it works, thing. and yeah, I mean it's not. I wouldn't say avoid it because I think no, there's no. enough good work. But and it's I think, beautiful at times. Yeah. some of it, like I say, goes into a CGI fest, but the beginning, for example, absolutely stunning. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks beautiful, mm. but 
There's been a lot of love put into it as well. I yes. Think, yeah. And it is difficult to criticise something mm. that means so much to so many people. Yes, yeah. Um, it is hard. Also, just a little PSA. If you mm. do go see this, don't sit through to the end of the credits. <laughs> yeah. At one point, I turned to Mark and I was like, everyone else was leaving. I was like, is there, is there an end credit scene? And you just went, oh, there must be. There there, always there's is. always one. But yeah. we went to see it the first morning and yeah. there was nothing on the internet to say no. whether there was or there wasn't. There's a mid credit scene and then we sat to the end <laughs> and we got music credits yeah. and then we got like the thanks to and yes. no animals were harmed during this. And then I was like, right, the ready, ready, the music's fading out. And then we got yeah. Marvel Studios and I was like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. And the screen went black and like mm-hmm. the six people that were left in there just kind of looked at each other and were like, and like we sat hidden, It's like a hidden it's track almost, where you've yeah. got to wait like for we're a minute of silence. We're just going to wait and then the lights came on. Yes. But very slowly. So yeah, very slowly. He wasn't like quite was sure. Finished. And then everyone got up and went to their homes. Yes. But, yeah. Um, go see The Banshee of Inisherin for me. Um, go see Black Panther Wakanda forever. I mean, if it doesn't need our money. Um, no, no, no. Doesn't, no doesn't, yeah. I think Banshee of Inisherin probably does. And go see The Wonder, apparently. Yeah, please go see The Wonder. But or at least Adam. watch it on, on Netflix, because I think it's worth a watch. Okay. But yeah, don't watch Black Adam. I've not seen it. Mm. Right, well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you very much for, see- for, 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 see- for seeing us. <laughs> thanks for seeing us. Thanks, thanks for seeing us. us. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The One Honeymoon Pod. And if you would like to leave us a review on iTunes or a star rating on Spotify, we would really, really appreciate it. And it doesn't take very long. Just, you know, if you talk about PSAs. PSA, I went out and did reviews of other podcasts that we follow. I haven't done all of them yet. So if any of the people who um, we talk to (laughs) regularly who have a podcast are listening, they're going, she hasn't left me a review. I am getting around to it. But yeah, I went and left reviews. And just to... To give it a go because I always feel really bad when we ask for them and then I haven't gone and reviewed like my favourite podcast and it literally did take me 30 seconds it was really really easy so yeah please, please do it's please 2022 it <laughs> and we are explaining how easy it is to leave a review saying, on I've Apple ne- Podcasts yeah but I've never done it before we're not, calling it iTunes. we're not even calling it Apple Podcasts no no we're calling it iTunes, iTunes. Yeah. but yeah I've, I'm just saying that I had never done it before and we have done this now for many, many years and we've begged everyone at the end of each episode, please come and give us a review. But just to say, it doesn't take very long and it it, 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 it makes you feel good inside. Did you give us a five-star review? I haven't. No, you said that I should. You said that I should go and give us a review. And yes. I was like, I don't think you can review your own podcast. I think you can. <laughs> Put the five stars against it. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, so th- thanks very much, everyone. Thank you. We'll see you next time. See you next time.